recording and that tune you just heard there is Dill Pickles Rag from the CD Rags Reels and Airs, Martin Carthy, Dave Swarbrick and Diz Disley. And I'm playing that because tonight's show is a very different show. It's inspired by the book Singing from the Floor by J.P. Bean. It is the first book, as far as I know, that looks at the folk club scene of the second wave of the folk revival, that is the sort of 1950s to 1980s. I suppose all such terms as folk movement, folk revival, uh, they're open to debate. But basically, I would argue that the first wave of the folk revival was when Cecil Sharp, Maud Carpelese and Baring Gould and people like that in Edwardian days started collecting folk songs and dances. The second wave was the 1950s to the 1980s, which is what we're concerned with today. And the third wave is happening now. That's a very much festivals and sessions-based scene. Perhaps it's more media-based too, but we can argue about that forever. The second wave, like I say, we're going to look at now. And what I'm going to concentrate on here is the folk clubs of the 60s and 70s as they're dealt with in the book Singing from the Floor, because it is a fascinating look at what I think was a really revolutionary period. But we're going to kick off with two lads who were, I suppose, the Everly Brothers of the folk scene. They've got great harmonies, they've got great musicians, in fact, consummate musicians in every way, fiddle and guitar and vocals. They were just wonderful. And there were also two young Yorkshire lads who were absolutely on fire. This is Robin and Barry Dransfield with The Route of the Blues. Compare with the blues 
As I glossed over Salisbury Plain, but a dainty fine sight I behold. As lasses were crying and tearing their hair, all the routers just come for the blues. All the routers just come for the blues. Oh, great stuff. I think that still is a very, very powerful, powerful track. The Route of the Blues, Robin and Barry Dransfield from the album, simply called The Route of the Blues. And many of you, I think, will probably be sick of me saying this, but that was recorded by another man who played a major, major part in the folk revival second wave. Bill Leader recorded in his bedroom with a couple of drum microphones, and it still sounds as good as it did that first day. The thing about folk music in the 60s, well, 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, it was alternative music. It was the punk music of its time. It was music of anarchy, rebellion, protest. I suppose a lot of people would argue with me, but at root, it was very much left-wing and pretty much untamable. Television and radio, on the whole, didn't know what to make of it. <laughs> I still think it doesn't. It's always sought to package and primp folk music up, but... It, it isn't like that. Folk music has got people of all ages, shapes and size, and the media doesn't like that. It wants very svelte, polished people that it can stick on the front page of the Sunday supplement. One of the programmes that I suppose came closest in those days was Folk from the Brewers, a Granada series made by Arthur Taylor in a pub in Salford, the two brewers. That was about as close as it got. Today you've got Transatlantic Sessions and many of the great programmes made by T.G. Caha in Ireland. They come closest to capturing some of the spirit of real folk. Well, the earliest clubs in those days of the 50s and 60s were clubs like the Ballads and Blues Club, Singers Club and the Princess Louise Club in London and Harry Boardman's Club in Manchester and the Topic in Bradford, which I think is the longest continuously running folk club in the world, if not in the country. Well, the Singers Club in London, which was run by Ewan McCall and Peggy Seeger, had a massive influence on the folk scene, as well as, of course, recording the radio ballads. Seeger and McCall toured widely, made a rake of records, ran that great club in London, and not only wrote great songs, but brought many of the big songs, the great big ballads, the Scots ballads in particular, back into circulation. But just to give you a taste of the times, here they are with a song that Ewan McCall wrote for a stage play. This is, of course, the great song, Dirty Old Town. I found my love By the gasworks cross Dreamed a dream By the old canal Kissed my girl by the factory wall Dirty old town Dirty old town Heard a siren from the dark Saw a train set the night on fire Smell the spring Dirty old town, dirty old town Clouds are drifting across the moon Cats are prowling on the beach 
brings a girl in the street at night. Dirty old town, dirty old town. song i love it in particular for the fact that salford council got really upset and the original version said smelt the smoke on a salford wind and they made him change it (laughs) well there you go councillors do get upset about stuff i played that track by the way because like tunnel tigers and freeborn man it's one of the many songs which would go on to become standards recorded by people like the spinners the dubliners the pogues and which many people used to think were traditional a lot of people think it was written about Dublin, it was of course about Salford. Dirty Old Town, that comes from the album Black and White, it was of course Ian McCall and Peggy Seeger. Well, they run the Singers Club in London, but there were soon hundreds and hundreds of clubs all over the country. I don't exaggerate when I say that cities, big cities like Manchester, Sheffield and Leeds, would have that many clubs that there would often be two or three running on the same night of the week. And this meant that it became possible for people like myself to actually make a living going from club to club. It was where many of us cut our teeth, travelling and gigging. There was a sort of bush telegraph. People would set up tours in their area. They'd go and do one gig, they would like you, they would book you. So people like John Taylor would book people around the northeast because he was living up Redcar, Middlesbrough area. Janet Burlam would book people all around Yorkshire. She was living in Barnsley. Julia Jones down in the southeast, Chelmsford Way, would book you a tour down there, including clubs like, I don't know, Godalming and South End. And once you'd done the gig, you would sleep on the floor in a sleeping bag because the clubs themselves couldn't afford to put you in a bed and breakfast or a hotel. If you were lucky, you got to sleep on a settee, or if you were even luckier, you got to sleep in a bed. So I suppose the book could have been called Sleeping on the Floor instead of just Singing from the Floor. Well, two lads who from very early on were obviously something special were Martin Carthy and Dave Swarbrick. They were a major, major influence on the scene. And of course, they were stars, if you like to use that word, of the early folk scene. Martin Carthy set the standard with his guitar playing and singing with his first album. And when Dave Swarbrick joined him, the bar went up a couple of notches higher. They were absolutely wonderful, superb musicians, still are, of course. Swarbrick, for me, is one of the most inventive, creative fiddle players on the planet. And, of course, Carthy, as a guitarist and singer, and also, as I've said before, as an accompanist, cannot be bettered. Here they are, Carthy and Swarbrick, with Arthur McBride and the sergeant. (laughs) 
fella called Arthur Bogart in his pleasure was walking down by the seaside, a walking, a talking, a viewing the kind of the weather was pleasant and charming. So gay and so gallant we went on our tramp. We met Sergeant Arthur and Corporal Cramp and the bunny little drummer who roused up the camp with his rowdy dow dow in the morning. The same to your sergeant, we made the reply. There was nothing more said, and we made to pass by all on that bright summer's morning. What are me good fellows if you would enlist? Ten guineas in gold, I would slap in your fist, and a crown in the bargain to kick up the dust and to drink the king's health in the morning. Though we're fond of our country, our brides won't avail. Though we're fond of our country, we care not to sail. Though we are the boys of the morning. If you would insult me without any word, I swear by me king, I would draw me broadsword and I'd run through your body, your strength, me your forge. Hey, I could breathe out the morning. As flat as a shoe, we made a football of his roundy dow do. The sergeant, the corporal, we knocked out the two. But we were the boys of the morning. And as for the weapons that hung by their side, we flung them as far as we could in the tide. And the devil go with you, says Arthur McBride, for spoiling our walk in the morning. and Dave Swarbrick with the classic version of Arthur McBride and the Sergeant that comes from the album Prince Heathen. The book Singing from the Floor, which I'm, of course, featuring tonight in this show, is really full of great quotes from people like Martin and Dave Swarbrick and loads of people, Nick Jones included, Dave Merland, loads of people, because the book is basically a series of interviews conducted with the people who were part of that scene in the 1950s, 60s, 70s and onwards. And it is well, well worth getting your hands on if you're at all interested in folk music. One of the things that struck me reading the book was how safe an environment it was for single women to go out and play. It was a very welcoming, a very warm scene. And people like Maddie Pryor, who was a young girl of 18 when she hit the scene, was perfectly safe to be going around driving, as she did. 
the Reverend Gary Davis. She was his chauffeur for a month. She'd only just passed her test. And there she was, driving a blind American blues singer who chain-smoked and drank whiskey all around the country. One of her main jobs was supposedly to keep him off the booze, but she does admit that she wasn't a great success at that. But there she was, 18 years old, driving him round the country and getting up occasionally and doing a song herself, because, of course, she was and is a great singer. Funnily enough, at the end of that month's tour with the Reverend Gary Davis, he told her she'd make a great nurse. <laughs> well, luckily for all of us concerned, she didn't go on into nursing, but she went on to be one of the great singers of the world. She teamed up with Tim Hart and made two wonderful albums with him, then joined Steel Eye Span, who she still works with, of course, and as well as that has gone on to make great solo albums. But I want to play you something from way back when. This is Tim Hart and Maddie Pryor. One of the first albums they made together was called Summer Solstice. And from it, this is Maddie's version of what I think is one of the most beautiful songs in the European traditional folk canon. I live not where I love. The melody and words of this, I think, are just pure classic.
Live Not Where I Love, Tim Hart and Maddie Pryor from the CD Summer Solstice. In the book, J.P. Bean mentions the great number of American artists that came over, particularly in the early days of the folk revival, because, of course, they live in a massive, massive continent, and you'd have to go 3,000 miles between gigs sometimes. Well, when they came over to England and Europe, they only had to go 10, 15, 20 miles. They're in another town, another city, and another set of folk clubs, so they could make a living without travelling thousands of miles. The Americans who came over here were people like Daryl Adams, Tom Paxton, Bob Dylan. There's a photograph of him in Ewan McCall's Singers Club with Bert Lloyd and McCall in the background. Martin Carthy and Bob Dylan shared a flat, I think, for a while. And there is a, a story about Martin and Bob Dylan chopping up a piano with a samurai sword because they were so cold and they used it to, to light the fire with, which seems a terrible waste of a good piano. Anyway, Dylan, as you know, took a lot of tunes from the English folk tradition and used them to write his own songs. For example, The Patriot Game, the Dominic Bean song, he took the tune from that, which was a traditional Irish tune, and used it when he wrote God on Our Side. He also had great people like Tom Paley, the banjo player, fiddle player and singer, who is still with us. He came over as part of that American wave that landed on our shores, as did Paul Simon. I'm going to be talking more about Paul Simon much later in the show, but now I'm going to play one of the Americans who came over here, stayed for a while and, and had a really tragic early death, I'm afraid. But he was very, very popular on the folk scene of this country in the early 60s. His name was Jackson C. Frank, and he wrote one great classic track, which is still with us. This is him with Blues Run the Game. Catch a boat to England, baby, maybe to Spain Wherever I have gone, wherever I've been and gone Wherever I have gone, the blues are all the same Send out for whiskey, baby, send out for gin me and room service, honey Me and room service, babe Me and room service, well, we're living a life of sin When I'm not drinking, baby, you are on my mind When I'm not sleeping, honey when I ain't sleeping, mama, when I'm not sleeping, you know you'll find me crying. Try another city, baby, another town, wherever I have gone, wherever I've been and gone. Wherever I have gone, the blues come following down. Living is a gamble, baby. Loving's much the same. Wherever I have played, 
Whenever I throw them dice, or wherever I have played the blues, I've run the game. Maybe tomorrow, honey, someplace down the line, I'll wake up older. So much older, Mama. I'll wake up older, and I'll just stop all my trying. Catch a boat to England, baby. Maybe to Spain. Wherever I have gone, wherever I've been and gone. Wherever I have gone, the blues are all the same. Jackson C. Frank with Blues Run the Game. That comes from an album. The Story of British Folk, Volume 1, which has got lots and lots of tracks of people from that 1960s folk revival scene. Well, on the scene at the time also were lots of a cappella groups, people like the Watersons, the Valley Folk, the Young Tradition, and one of my particular favourites, Swan Arcade. One of the great things about the second wave of the folk revival was that it seemed stuffed full of very strong and very interesting characters, one of whom was Dave Brady of Swan Arcade, who, together with his wife, Heather Brady, and Jim Boys, another Yorkshire lad, made what I think was an absolutely fantastic, fantastic sound. But I've got to say that Dave Brady was one of the most amazing characters I've ever met, and like I said, the folk scene was full of them, but Dave stood head and shoulders, and he was a very big man above the rest. He only had one arm, he'd lost the other in a motorbike accident, and he told me once, and I've no reason to disbelieve him, that he took the severed limb and buried it at the place on the road where he'd had his crash. I could believe that, because he was that kind of geezer. There was one time when he set up a concert, it was at Saltaire, in the wonderful theatre there, in that great, great big mill town that was built by Titus Salt, the millionaire Yorkshireman. Anyway, I was booked for that concert at Saltaire, as was the high-level ranters and, and Swan Arcade. And when I got there, I could smell curry. I thought, this is strange. And it turned out that Dave Brady had arranged for Saeed, who ran Saeed's Curry Corner in Bradford, which featured in a song I wrote as the Café Gunga Din, he'd arranged for Saeed to come and cook curry for 250 for the interval, which I thought was absolutely terrific. Only Dave could organise that. And also, Titus Salt was a teetotaler, so there was no bar allowed in the hall. But somehow, miraculously, Dave managed to smuggle in several dozen bottles of ale for the musicians, for medicinal purposes only, of course. Anyway, apart from being a really terrific character uh, and a great man and a giant of a man, the late Dave Brady, together with Heather, his wife, and Jim Boys, as I said, made wonderful music from their album Full Circle. This is Swan Arcade with the verdant braids of screen. As I rolled out one May morning By the verdant braids of screen I lean me back against the hawthorn tree 
fire, passion, soul, understanding. You go a long way to find anybody who could sing as well as that three nowadays. Coop Boys and Simpson can, of course. That was Swan Arcade with the verdant braze of screen, the traditional Irish song, and that's from an album called Full Circle. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Now, the first folk club I ever organised was at the old house at home, a really weird boozer right in the middle of the ICI Dye Works factory in Blakely, North Manchester. The band I was working with at the time was called the Edison Bell Spasm Band. It was a jug band. I was a young fellow myself of 21, 22 maybe. And on the opening night when we opened the pub, there were people came from all over. The pub was absolutely jammed. People sitting on the piano. Harry Bowman was there, Frank Duffy... 
and these next two lads, Dave Brooks and Bernard Wrigley, went on to tour the clubs and they appeared at the Bolton Octium where they became part of the Rep Company and worked on a series of drama documentaries like Crompton's Mule well before the National Theatre ever thought of using folkies in its productions. For several years, Bernard and Dave went round as a couple together singing great sea shanties and traditional songs and then Bernard went off on his own and has pursued a career which has brought him through acting and folk music right through to today. One of the funniest men and one of the most insightful men on the planet. Well, way back when, at a concert that they organised specially at the Bolton Octagon, they left the folk club across the road after a few pints and came in and sang this brilliant version of the Mole Catcher. This, I think, is the Manchester Mole Catcher as well as it's ever been sung. Near Manchester City at the sign of the plough There lived a mole catcher and I can't tell you how And it's low till I day, low till I little I low till I day well, he goes a mole trapping from the morning till night But a young fella comes for to play with his wife And it's low till I day, low till I little I low till I day So the mole catcher, jealous of this very same thing He's hid in the washhouse for to watch him come in And it's low till I day, low till I little I low till I and as this young fella is a cross in the style that caused the mole catcher Sir Foxy to smile, and it's low to lie day, low to lie little I low to lie day. Oh, where is your husband, good woman, I pray? Why, he's gone a mole trapping for the most of the day. And it's low till I day, low till I little I, low till I day. So she went upstairs and he followed her sign. But the crafty mole catcher, he crept close up behind. And it's low till I day, low till I little I, low till I day. Just as this young fella's in the midst of his frolics, the mole catcher traps him right fast by his jacket, and it's low till I day, well, well, low till I little I, low till I day. Well, the trap it bit tight, and the mole catcher smiled, saying, Here's the biggest mole I ever caught in me life, and it's low till I day, low till I little I, low till I day. But I'll make you pay well for the ploughing of me ground And the money it'll cost you no less than ten pound And it's low till I day, low till I little I low till I day Very well, says the young fella, the money I don't mind Why, it only works out about tuppence a time And it's low till I day, low till I little I low till I day So come all you young fellas and you mind what you're at Don't you ever get them caught in no more catcher's trap And it's low till I day, low till I little I low till I day
Dave Brooks and Bernard Wrigley there with the Manchester Mole Catcher from the album Folk Songs from the Octagon. Those perceptive amongst you will have noticed that instead of singing bollocks, they sang the Mole Catcher, trapped him quite close by his jacket. It was a good few years later before anybody had the temerity to come out with the word bollocks in a folk club. Isn't life strange? What was wonderful about the 60s and 70s is it was absolutely fantastic to be making a living doing something that was so incredibly rewarding. I never regarded it as a job, and I don't think many people did either. The driving was a drag, but when you got there, you were well looked after. The audiences were usually terrific. They wanted to hear you sing. They didn't want to see you fail. They were on your side. It wasn't like working the work in men's clubs, which is what I'd done loads of times in a rock and roll band when they couldn't care who you were. All they wanted was the bingo and the turkey balm cakes. The folk scene was a great life. Hundreds of musicians and singers were crossing the country. We bumped into each other on motorways and at Smokey Joe's Cafe. And one of the rambling troubadour... Well, I suppose would she be a troubadour? A troubadouress or a troubadourette that was travelling the scene at that time was Barbara Dixon. Great number of Scottish musicians and singers like Ali Bain and Mike Wellens, Alex Campbell, Archie and Ray Fisher, Matt McGinn, the Humble Bums, the McCalmans, would come down, cross the borders and would have, you know, a month's tour down here. Quite easy. Well, Willie Russell, the playwright, used to see Barbara Dixon at the Bothy Club in Southport. When he wrote Blood Brothers, he decided that she was the voice for it, and the rest, as they say, is history, because Barbara went on to work in mainstream music, though, of course, she never lost her love of folk music, and she still does a lot of folky-type stuff nowadays. Well, a year or so back, she put together a set of albums from old tapes that people had given her of her live performances in folk clubs. She called the albums B474, that's the letter B and number four, and then the number 74. B474, the folk club tapes. From it, this is her version of the Gordon Lightfoot song Early Morning Rain. And she's accompanied on this by none other than Martin Carthy and the great Dave Swarbrick.
Dixon with the early morning rain from the album before 74, the Folk Club Tapes. I think that was actually recorded in a studio rather than live in a folk club. I better check that out. don't have the CD in front of me. It's just I've just dragged it off the computer here, but I will check up on that. I'm sure somebody will write in and tell me. The world is full of people who do stuff like that. You know, one of the things I find hardest to communicate uh, of all is the excitement of those days of the 60s and 70s. I still remember the feeling in the pit of my stomach driving over to Whitby over Filingdale's Moor for the folk festival at Whitby, which was sort of towards the end of August most times, because I knew there was going to be a week of great singing in the pubs and on the various stages. And coupled with that, that great singing and the great excitement of the, of the folk clubs and, the, and the, the camaraderie and the warmth was the feeling that change was possible. It was a time, you remember, when you got working-class writers like Arnold Wesker, Sheila Delaney, Keith Waterhouse, Alan Silito, Bill Norton. You got the theatre workshop they produced, Oh, What a Lovely War, Michael Gove's favourite play. And there were films like A Kind of Loving, Look Back in Anger, Room at the Top, A Taste of Honey, This Sporting Life, they'd all come out. And there was this feeling that anything was possible. Private Eye were ridiculing the establishment, and beyond the fringe had torn down the curtains and showed that the Emperor was indeed naked. They were heady days. Like I say, we thought that anything was possible, but, of course, we were fooled. The 1% still have their grip on it all. But that's another story. The excitement of the times was real, and the folk clubs were part of that reality. And one club I did regularly and loved was the Barnsley Centenary Rooms. It was an amazing place, a great Yorkshire club, and Yorkshire people tell you what they think about you. They like you, you're all right. If they don't, you are in trouble. The organiser and resident of that club was another wandering troubadour, who, for my money, is one of the best folk singers in the whole world. He is Dave Burland, and this is his version of the blacksmith, and I think this is truly, truly wonderful. A blacksmith courted me nine months or better. He fairly won my heart to wrote to me. His hammer in his hand, he looked so clever. And if I was with my love, I'd live forever. Oh, where is my love gone? 
his cheeks like roses And his good black Billy Corcoran Decked with primroses I'm afraid the scorching sun Will mar his beauty And if I was with my love I'd do love's duty Strange news has come to town Strange news is carried Strange news flies up and down That my love is married I've wished them both much joy Though they can't hear me And may God reward them well Lighting of me Oh, what did you promise me When you lay beside me You said you would marry me And would not deny me If I said I would marry It was only for to try you So bring your witness, love I'll not deny you Oh, witness have I known Saving God Almighty And may he reward you well For the slighting of me Her lips grew pale and white And her heart didn't tremble To think she'd love one And it proved deceitful Berlin from the album Benchmark with, got to be a classic version of The Blacksmith, that great traditional English song. Well, the folk clubs weren't just about great music and great singers and great guitarists and great musicians. They were about fun, too. There were some clubs that took themselves very, very seriously, and they'd have a policy of only booking contemporary artists or only booking traditional unaccompanied singers. And some say they contributed to the death of the folk club scene. But I think that's too complex a subject for this short hour and a bit. But many of the clubs were Catholic in their booking policy, and thank God for that, because I'd never have made it as a singer, because my voice wasn't all that good, as a musician, because I'm not all that good a player, or as a songwriter, because I think I'm proud of a couple of songs I've written, but, you know, I'm not all that good. But I was OK entertaining people, and people like myself, Johnny Silvo, Red Sullivan, Martin Windsor, Noel Murphy, Tony Capstick, Derek Brimstone, Diz Disley, Billy Connolly. We all went on to get great careers and have a great time travelling the folk clubs and entertaining people. 
Down in Bristol, you've got Fred Wedlock, of course, who ran a good folk club down there. And Bristol, by the way, also seems to be a place of absolutely amazing talent, as well as Fred and other people. You've got Steve Tilston. And, and this lot I'm going to play you now. I thought long and hard about what kind of a sort of funny or, or light track I could play. And I decided on these lads because they epitomised to me that, that having a good time, what George Malley called raving. Um, they're called the Pigsty Hill Light Orchestra, the amalgam of jazzers and good time Charlies. They made an album called Piggery Jokery, which I absolutely loved. And from it, this is my favourite track. For any children or any grown-up children or any grey-haired children that are still innocent and honest at heart, this is Desperate Dan. <laughs> Style Light Orchestra with Desperate Dan from their album Piggery Jokery. So you've got funny people on the scene, you've got great traditional singers, you've got great guitarists, great fiddlers, and you also had great singer-songwriters. Not all of them were navel-gazing in those days, writing songs about how miserable they were. They wrote songs that told stories. And perhaps the best song to come out of the early British folk scene was this song, Streets of London. Ralph McTell, of course, was very blues-influenced and still is a great guitar picker and blues singer, and he he wrote some of the best songs ever. Claire to hear, Factory Girl, he's written dozens and dozens of great songs. But I suppose Streets of London has rightly become a classic. It's filled with anger and compassion and understanding. An amazing song that I think every time our government's cock up yet again has got even more of a resonance. From the album From Claire to Here, here's Ralph McTell with Streets of London. Uh. 
Have you seen the old man in the closed-down market? Kicking up the papers with his worn-out shoes. In his eyes you see no pride and the loosely at his side. Yesterday's paper telling yesterday's news. So how can you tell me you're lonely? And say for you that the sun don't shine. Oh, let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London. I'll show you something to make you change your mind. And have you seen the old girl who walks the streets of London, dirt in her hair? And her clothes in rags. She's no time for talking. She just keeps right on walking, carrying her home into carrier bags. So how can you tell me you're lonely? It's safe for you that the sun don't shine. Let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London. I'll show you something to make you change your mind. And in the all night cafe. At a quarter past eleven, same old man sitting there on his own, looking at the world over the rim of his teacup. And each tea lasts an hour, and he wanders home alone. So how can you tell me that you're lonely? Safe for you that the sun don't shine. Or、oh, let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London. I'll show you something to make you change your mind. Have you seen the old man outside the seaman's mission? Memory fading with the metal ribbons that he wears, and in our winter city the rain cries a little pity for one more forgotten hero and a world that doesn't care. So how can you tell me that you're lonely? They say for you that the sun don't shine. Oh, let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London. I'll show you something to make you change your mind.
Ralph McTell with Streets of London from the album From Clare to Here. Now, as J.P. Bean points out in the book, Singing from the Floor, there was a massive Irish influence in the folk clubs of the 60s and 70s. People like the Clancy's, the Dubliners, that had a huge influence on us all. And, of course, there was homegrown music in the Irish pubs in most of the major cities. There were great pubs like the Clarence and the Salutation in Manchester, where you'd hear wonderful traditional Irish musicians. And you got bands like Sweeney's Men and solo singers like Christy Moore. Christy Moore came over to England during a bank strike. I remember it very well because I think mine was either the first or the second club he played in the UK. A mate of mine, Jerry Brady, came up to me. That was when I was running the old house at home, that folk club in the middle of the ICI factory in Manchester. And he came up and said, there's a fellow just come over from Ireland. The Green Sisters have invited him over. The Green Sisters were a great group of sisters, great traditional Irish band. They were superb musicians. The Green Sisters have invited him over and he wants to do a few spots. He said, you, you, you must book him. He's terrific. So I booked him sight unseen for £3 and Christy came I did the gig, and of course, anybody who ever saw Christie never forgets the first time they saw him. He was just absolutely amazing. He wore sandals with no socks, a pair of jeans, slacks, and he had just a T-shirt on underneath his sweater, which he took off, and then he just stood there, one foot on a stool, and completely ripped the room apart. He was wonderful. Since then, of course, he's gone on to be known the world over. But he did start, like I say, in those folk clubs of the north of England and went on to work all around the country and then all around the world. I'm going to play you a song which I gave Christie in our kitchen in Crumsall, Manchester, 1969, I think it was. It was a song I put together from an old broadside ballad I found in Manchester Central Library, and the tune I filched from a traditional Scottish song called Friendless Mary. From the album Prosperous, this is Christy Moore with Rambling Robin. <laughs> First from boyhood I came to a man To ramble the nation through I soon began Of the ramble and thought it came into me mind So they christened me Ramble and Robin now So they christened me Ramble and Robin O'er hills and o'er mountains I used for to go I slept in the woods where there's frost and there's snow no anxiety ever came into me mind So intended was rambling Robin now So contented was rambling Robin The wind and the rain, oh, they blew me quite cold The parents at home, they were both growing old Oh, me father did weep and me mother did cry For the loss of their rambling Robin now for the loss of their ramble and robin When sixteen long years they were over and past Me poor mother's sorrow was ended at last And me father the nation did range through and through Oh, in search of his ramble and robin, oh Oh, in search of his ramble and robin When all me past follies they came to an end to me, your native village, I did attend. But the neighbors that told me my parents were dead. Filled with grief for their ramble and robin, now. Filled with grief for their ramble and robin. Oh, where shall I wander and where shall I go? Me heart is filled with sorrow and woe. 
of the nation I wander through and through And an end put to ramble and robin now And an end put to ramble and robin Another great classic album recorded by Bill Leader. That was recorded in a country house called Prosperous in Ireland, in Kildare. Christy Moore, of course, with Ramblin' Robin. I think that Bill may have taken one or two more microphones than two AKG D12 drum mics for that particular recording. Now, the folk scene of the 60s and 70s was a really broad church. You'd get singer-songwriters, contemporary musicians. You'd get people who were mostly just guitarists, like David Graham. And you'd also get blues singers, because in the early days, folk and blues were very much knitted together. And one of the greatest blues singers I ever saw in my entire life was Joanne Kelly. She was English, born in London. But you'll find that a lot of American musicians rate her. I found a quote here. A few white female singers, like Janis Joplin, showed they could sing the blues. But one who could outshine them all was Joe and Kelly. She seemed to slip through the cracks, mostly because she favoured the acoustic Delta style rather than rocking out with a heavy band behind her. But with a huge voice and a strong guitar style, influenced by Memphis Minnie and Charlie Patton, she was the queen. I can't argue with that. An old mate of mine, John Pilgrim, knew her very, very well. And John drove Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee round the country, as well as being washboard player in Wally Whiten's skiffle group, The Vipers. And John always really, really rated Joanne Kelly as one of the best blues singers he'd ever heard. Joanne Kelly worked the folk clubs in the 60s and also the blues clubs. She unfortunately died far too young at the age of 46, I think it was, in 1990. But she was an amazing singer. Just listen to her voice on this. This is unaccompanied. She was a great guitarist, but this one is an unaccompanied version of Bull Weevil Blues, showing Joanne Kelly in great, great voice. Hey, hey, Bull Weevil, where is your native home? bottom among the cotton and the corn among the cotton and corn oh lord among the cotton and corn way down in the bottom among the cotton and corn now when I first see the ball weaver Sit down on the square And the last time that I see him He got a family there He got a family there Oh, Lord, he got a family there And the last time that I see him Oh, Lord, he got a family there we got a bow evil here. Oh Lord, got a bow evil everywhere. Hey, hey, bow evil. Where is your native home? 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 He's crying. Oh, 
Great voices of the blues there. Joanne Kelly with Bull Weevil Blues. That comes from an album called Women in E. In, well, this is hard to explain, but it's Women in Emotion, but the E is in brackets. Corny, I don't understand why, but Women in E Motion. There you go. Wonderful, wonderful Joanne Kelly, the late Joanne Kelly with Bull Weevil Blues. Now, a major figure who came up through the folk scene until a car smash stopped him completely in his tracks, but a man who has had a massive, massive influence on the folk scene is, of course, Nick Jones. He must have played pretty much every folk club in the country. I remember every time he came up north, he used to stay with us in Crumpsall, Manchester, and I used to drive him, if I wasn't working, I'd drive him round and sit there agog. Every night, the performance was different. Every night he did a song in a different way. He'd do Sir Patrick Spence, for example, that I'm going to play you now. He'd do it slightly differently each time. He was inventive, creative, a wonderfully talented and gifted man. And he's left us a fair amount of songs and music to celebrate him by. He's still with us, gladly, of course, although, of course, he's not performing on his own anymore. The smash robbed him of the ability to play his guitar and sing as well as he used to. But from his early album, Ballads and Songs, first album recorded again by Bill Leader, is Nick Jones with Sir Patrick Spence, the, I think, definitive version of this song. Firmlitten town, a drink in the blood red wine. Oh, where will I get a fine mariner to sail seven ships of mine? And then up spoke a fine young man, sat at the king's right knee. Sir Patrick Spence is the best mariner as ever sailed on this seas. So the king he has written a broad letter and signed it with his own hand. And he sent it up to Sir Patrick Spence, a walking all on the strand. And the very first lines that Patrick he read, a little laugh then gave he. And the very last lines that Patrick read, the salt tears filled his eyes. Oh, who is he that's done this deed and told the king on me? For never was I a good mariner, and never do intend to be. A late yestreen I saw the new moon with the old moon in her arms. And I fear, I fear a deadly storm, a ship and she will come to harm. But rise up, rise up, my merry men all, a little ship she sails in the morn. Whether it's a windy or whether it's a wet, or whether there's a deadly storm. And they hadn't been a sailing a league or more, a league but barely nine. Till the wind hadn't wet, and sleet and snow come a-blowing up and behind. 
with Sir Patrick Spence. Absolute classic. I've just noticed how time has rolled on. We've already got to, I don't know, well well beyond the hour and a quarter. I do apologise for that, but I'm talking about something that I love. I may be talking too much, perhaps, but I am talking about something I love dearly. Not just because of the great music, the great musicians, the great songs and the great artists that I knocked around with in those days, but because of the kindness and the enthusiasm, the feeling that we were all in something really important and vital. We weren't doing it just for the money, we were doing it for the songs and for the camaraderie and the crack. It was an underground movement mostly, and one that was all the stronger for it. And I'll tell you one act of kindness I'll never forget. Tim Hart and Maddie Pryor worked with me at Whitby Festival, I think it was in the late 60s. And I'd never done much work in the south of England, and I happened to be down in London when I saw that Tim and Maddie were on at a folk club. I think it might have been the Hot Pulls, I'm not sure. Anyway, I went along to see them. Tim saw me in the audience, and he, he said to the organiser, get this lined up for a couple of songs, because he's good. And the organiser, believe what he said, got me up. And from that one gig, I got something like 20 bookings in places like Chelmsford, Bodmin, I don't know, Godalming, all over the place. And I'll never forget that act of kindness because Tim didn't need to do that. But that was the kind of man Tim was and the kind of scene that we were working in. I do apologise, by the way, for having to leave so many people out of this show. Uh, Martin Wyndham Reed, Tony Rose, Rosie Hardman, the high-level ranters, Tony Capstick, Mary Asquith, John Renborn, Bert Yanch, Matt McGinn, Vin Garber, Hedgehog Pie. The show could have been six hours long. In fact, I could have done six one-hour shows easily. The book, Singing from the Floor, 
tells stories, the legends, mythologies, all from that most wonderful of times. One story I love is Billy Connolly talking about Diz Disley. Diz Disley, the great jazz guitarist, and he was a great monologist as well, did wonderful versions of Albert and the Lion, and on his horse, with his orc in his hand, the Battle of Hastings. And Billy was working with Diz, and Diz used to drive an old Rolls Royce all around the country, but he used to like a drink as well. I think vodka was his was his uh, particular tipple. And he said to Billy one night, I always dress in chauffeur's clothes, he said. Chauffeur's uniform, because the police never stop you if you're wearing a chauffeur's uniform, you know. And I do remember Diz turning up to places like the MSG in a chauffeur's jacket and cap with a Rolls Royce parked outside. What a character. Well, there's one legend that I think the book well scotches. Jeff Speed talks in the book about Paul Simon and the story that Paul Simon wrote homeward bound on Widnes Railway Station. He says, and I quote, Paul played the Black Diamonds in Chester on Friday evening, and on the Sunday evening he sang at the Widnes Club. He stayed with me after that for almost a week, and the story goes that he wrote homeward bound on Widnes Station. I drove him to the station, and we got there just before the train arrived, literally seconds before, so I don't think he wrote it on the platform. My dad, who was living at home at the time, said that Paul Simon spent a lot of time in the lounge writing in an Oxford pad, so I think that maybe he wrote Homeward Bound, not at Widnes Station, but at 123 Coroner's Lane in Widnes. Well, here's one of the acts that toured the folk clubs of this country in the 1960s, Paul Simon, with the song that may or may not have been written on Widnes Station, Homeward Bound. I'm sitting in the railway station, got a ticket for my destination. On a tour of one night stands My suitcase and guitar in hand And every stop is neatly planned For a poet and a one-man band Homeward bound I wish I was Homeward bound Home Where my box is keeping home Where my music's playing home Where my love lies Silently for me Every day is an endless stream Of cigarettes and magazines mm. And each town looks the same to me The movies and the factories And every stranger's face I see Reminds me that I long to be homeward I wish I was homeward bound Home, where my thoughts escape at home Where my music's playing home Where my love lies waiting silently for me Tonight I'll sing my songs again I'll play the game and pretend But all my words come back to me in shades of mediocrity, like emptiness in harmony. I need someone to comfort me. Homeward bound, I wish I was homeward bound. 
When my thoughts escaping I'm home When my music's playing I'm home When my love lies waiting silently for me Silently for me Bound Paul Simon and Garfunkel there from Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits. Paul Simon, of course, spent his early formative years trudging round Witness and places like that, Manchester, playing and singing and writing. The book is Singing from the Floor by J.P. Bean, published by Faber and Faber. You can find details of the book and details of all the artists that you heard on tonight's show, as well as the Folk Music Hall of Fame and, of course, the gallery and the links through to folk clubs and festivals by going to the website, www.mikehardingfolkshow.com. That's it for this show. I'm sorry I witted on for so long. Don't forget we've got no money for advertising, so please spread the word, keep the faith, and mind how you go. Ta-ra. Thank you.